Welcome to the third season of PEBC's Phenomenal Teaching Podcast. My name is Michelle Morris-Jones, and in this season, I'll be sharing conversations with educators and leaders who are making schools and classrooms more phenomenal than ever before by implementing community, planning, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment practices that promote agency, equity, and understanding for each and every learner. I am honored to share these conversations of innovation and passion with all of you. Thank you so much for listening in. If you don't know where you're going, you'll end up somewhere else. Planning for student agency, equity, and understanding are essential when developing learning experiences for students that are impactful and life-worthy. Today, PEBC Lab host Gabrielle Hovenen is joining me from the Jeffco Open School to unpack the planning strand of the PEBC teaching framework. This season, we are diving into all the ways in which schools, leaders, and teachers can innovate to make schools even more phenomenal than ever before. Listen in as we discuss the art and science of planning for purpose, people, and process. Good morning, Gabrielle. How are you? I'm doing well, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing great. It is such a treat to have this conversation today. I am really, really excited to dive into planning, but I know that I know you very well, so I'd love for our listeners to get to know a little bit more about you. Do you mind sharing with us who you are, where you teach, and kind of what you love to do? Not at all. My name is Gabrielle Hovenen, and I teach sixth grade literacy, inquiry, and advising at JCOS. JCOS is Jefferson County Open School, and we have a lot of adjectives before um, I describe who we are. We're an alternative, progressive, K-12 public option school. And what that really means is that we focus on educating the whole child with a specific emphasis on experiential and self-directed learning, and we value the personal, the social, and the intellectual growth of our children. Gabrielle, thank you so much. That was a beautiful way to describe Jeffco Open. Um, Over the years, I've spent many wonderful days there learning with teachers and learning with students. And we talk about student-centered or centering students to become self-directed learning. I think that Jeffco Open School embraces that really through that whole child lens. And so I think this planning conversation today is going to be really exciting because really get to start thinking about planning from you know all elements and all aspects of of being a student and being a child. So just to give everyone a little bit of context, um, Gabrielle, in normal times, quote unquote normal times, mm-hmm. <laughs> as a PEBC lab host, we bring a lot of groups of teachers to your classroom to learn about things like community, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment. And of course, all of your instruction and student learning is predicated on intentional planning. So it's just a treat today, again, to have this conversation about planning. But my first question for you is, when you think about planning, what gives you energy? I love this question because I think many people don't see planning as something that is exciting. And I see planning as the way we prepare for a great adventure. Mm. As a young mother, I remember being in the backyard with a, my daughter, and she really wanted to climb a tree we had there. And my my gut instinct was to keep her safe, and I wanted to say, no, don't climb that tree. 
I was daunted by all that would be needed to make sure that she didn't end up with hands full of splinters or broken limbs. Like I could vision her falling. But instead of saying no to the adventure, I sat next to her and we just took a few minutes to plan. And we looked at that tree and we anticipated where she would put her hands and what hazards she could run into. We checked for wasps nests or rotting limbs. And we tried to figure out where she could take a little break at the top and check in the view. And then we also talked about how she was going to get down. Hmm. I mean, I knew I was there to help her, but I knew I was not going to be able to climb that tree to help her when she reached her top. Um, so that was the day like my personal motto was born, which is check your landing so that if you do fall, the higher you climb and the higher you climb, the more likely it is that you could fall and that there won't be someone right next to you to catch you. You don't want to fall on sharp, sharp rocks or, I don't know, a cute puppy at the bottom of the tree or your mom who's <laughs> waiting down there for you. So I know that the classroom isn't the same as climbing a tree, but how we plan for a learning adventure can follow that same philosophy. So I get excited about planning units that, like climbing a tree, are worthy of students' attention and time. Gabrielle, that is a beautiful story and such a powerful metaphor, especially when you think about planning. Like We plan all the time in our daily lives. We plan for others in our daily lives. But you just turn that into this beautiful metaphor and this beautiful motto. And it just makes me think a lot about prioritization. And if we want to create these opportunities or these adventures for kids that are worthy of their attention and worthy of their time, how do we prioritize those when we're planning units of studies or when we're planning inquiry experiences? Because I know that you do a land of planning for both as you know, a sixth grade teacher, you're really diving into the literacy standards, you're leading kids in inquiry you lead advising. So what are the kind of planning priorities, if you will? That's a great question. And I think, I think it depends on what kind of planning you're doing. Sometimes you're planning in such a long range that you're actually planting the seed for that tree for, you know, 15 years down the line. Mm-hmm. But on a, on a sort of year by year basis, When I think about planning, the first thing I think about is there are so many options for content, ranging from the district mandates and pre-existing curriculum guides to the current events that students are seeing on social media. So I have to prioritize unit topics that focus on what matters to the students right now. And it could be like, I don't know, pet adoption or their lunch choices. And That's super important because students have to care. They have to know it matters to them because without engagement, students are going to continue to see school as a chore and they're not going to buy into the idea that learning is fun and inspirational. And we need students who care because if they know that their voices are heard and matter, they are going to be empowered to have the confidence, skills, and drive to engage in the difficult work, whether it's studying challenging spelling words or protesting something that they believe needs to be changed in the larger world. Wow. So your first priority then sounds like it's planning for kids. Exactly. Yeah. Planning for the kids that are, 
yeah, the ones that are in front of me as well. And that can fluctuate, you know, year to year, sometimes even month to month, depending on what's going on. Mm -hmm. So when I think about the PVC teaching framework, that makes me think a lot about the concept of life worthiness. Like how does what we're learning matter to me right now? And then, like you said, like what's, how is it going to matter to me in 15 years if we're planting those seeds? So I think that idea of like just getting our minds around that, like how do we plan content experiences for the students in front of us is one priority. What would you add to that? I think I would add to that, that it doesn't necessarily matter what the content is. Okay. What matters is that you're teaching skills that are applicable, transferable, and timeless. We want students to be able to monitor for meaning so they can clarify or fix a misunderstanding in text and outside of text. Like we even teach this in the classroom when students open a door and walk in, the first thing they do is monitor for meaning, right? They look around and they're like, what is going on? What are my next steps? And that can happen I don't know if you're in college in a bar situation, right? (laughs) And so like, that's a transferable skill the moment they learn it. Um, We want students to determine importance so they can differentiate needs from wants. And we want students to learn how to ask quality questions and recognize the dangers of bias in their search for answers. We also want students to be able to have different ways to communicate effectively and disagree respectfully, because we hope that people engage in complicated, difficult conversations, because that's how change happens and how we learn about each other. So then I'm, I'm really inferring two different purposes or two different priorities. The second one is about purpose. Like what is our purpose? What are we planning for? And so for you, when you think about content and you think about the standards or the requirements, if you will, I'm inferring that you are also balancing kind of the content along with process. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. You're exactly right. And in fact, when we do reflection on our units, whether it's just a week-long unit on poetry or a months-long unit with their voyage, we, we spend pretty much equal parts discussing what we've learned about the content with also what we learn about the process. Like it's, it's, more important, I think, for students to be able to understand how they're learning and how to apply those skills and how to deal with challenges in when comprehension is broken. And so a lot of what we do when we get in our large group and small group settings is share that process because that is how students learn from other students. Thank you. So I think it's going to be really exciting to hear a little bit about what you and your kids are up to. Um, You've laid this beautiful groundwork for us. We're all picturing this tree. We're thinking about this planning (laughs) metaphor and making sure we like, you know, you said, check your landing. Like, where are we going? Where are you going to end up? So it's six weeks into the school year and you and your sixth graders have been up to all sorts of things. So do you mind sharing with us how you launched the year? And then what is your vision for the year? Maybe give us that big picture balcony view plan for learning. And kind of take us into what does this look like and sound like in practice? Because this might be a different way of planning for some folks who are listening. Oh, I would love to. Thank you. So the short, super short version of my overarching vision of the year is that I want to 
facilitate and cultivate a community of reflective, self-directed, and hardworking students. And starting right away in August, our advising and our literacy focuses on planning a class camping trip to the Great Sand Dunes. Wow. So yeah, it's, it's <laughs> such a great way to start the year. It puts us all on an equal playing field in terms of literally being equally out there on the sand dunes, exposed to the same elements, eating the same food. So early in the year, I introduced that motto, check your landing. Um, and one aspect of our trip preparation is planning ahead for the things that might go wrong, like the sunburn, dehydration, and heat exhaustion. We weren't just preparing for the worst, though. We were also <laughs> anticipating all the fun that we were going to have. So we also learned things like team building games, how to be mindful and be aware of the sensor, sensory imagery we're perceiving in the nature around us. We learn about the local animals. We learn about our astrological signs. And then we go on our trip and we practice the things that we learn while we're on the trip. And we reflect on how our learning changed the way we were able to have a successful trip. Wow. So really that first unit of study for you for this year in particularly is an inquiry in which you're really preparing as individuals and as a whole for this experience. Yes. And, you know, having, knowing where I'm going for that whole year, I also am already embedding many lessons that are like, how do we annotate and highlight a text, a nonfiction text, so we can record what we think is most important in a main idea supporting detail way, mm -hmm. and then put that in our journal so we can reflect back on it. And actually, we're learning how to outline. We're learning how to find quality resources. And as we keep developing throughout the year, we keep adding to that skill set. And we already started it. We started it the second week of school. And by the end of the year, they're going to be putting together a lot of different research. And they've, they've already started building towards that ability. So despite the fact that you're planning for this really fun experience and you're incorporating a lot of community building, especially this year as kids are coming back into classrooms in different ways, you also, though, are addressing content, if you will, from the first week of school. The kids oh. are readers and writers and communicators. You're annotating. You're introducing thinking strategies. All of that is happening in this unit. Absolutely. I mean, that actually is the purpose of what we do in school is we're trying to help students learn how the very skills that we're teaching are applicable in every aspect of their life, both inside and outside of the classroom. And if I'm not willing to use it when I'm planning a field trip, then what is the point of teaching it at, at all? Mm. So, so we're six weeks in. What's going yeah. on now? <laughs> like I'm, here, I'm like, okay, so you have set this amazing groundwork. We're six weeks into the year. We're still in that mm -hmm. balcony view. Mm -hmm. Keep going. What's going on? Well, okay, now we have firmly recovered from any slight <laughs> sunburns we might have had, and we've put away our swimsuits, um, and we're, we're in school. We've started, you know, our patterns and routines are in place, so we're able to really start engaging in the, the more difficult work. And now an aspect of our school, of our sixth grade classroom, is students are starting to choose their weekly homework. So we in sixth grade, we don't assign homework for students to do, but we very much value homework as an aspect of applying your skills outside of the brick and mortar building. So what we do is we say, it's time for you to choose your homework. And first, students identify a worthy question or a goal. 
and they design a mini plan and then they leave our building and engage in the work at home or, you know, at the horse arena or at church or on a skate park. And they do some documentation of what that looks like. They reflect on their plans. And at the end of the week, they we come back, we sit in a big circle and we share out and celebrate what people learned, either something they learned from the content or the process, maybe a fascinating fact or a tip on how to remain calm when your sister will not stay out of your room. <laughs> I love this. Again, what we talked about in the very beginning of our conversation is you are centering students but having them practice and apply their skills in an authentic way. So what does that, what is it, what are some other examples? Well, you know, the beauty of this is that if students choose not to do homework, that's fine with me. I can't force inspiration or motivation and I don't want to, I want them to feel it. So we had our first homework sharing last week. We sat in a big circle and I was so in. I would say two-thirds of the students participated and the other ones listened as, as some shared that they studied French with the goal to practice some sentences with a family member. Um, a couple of students made a stop-motion video, which they shared with the class, and were able to express what their next steps were going to be and reflect on why a script might have made this a little bit more interesting for everyone. Um, some one student practiced the multiples of six because they knew they needed to do better on their next math quiz. And one student took a favorite cookie recipe and without doing any research, they attempted to make it vegan with a mixed success, but they did manage to eat everything afterwards. <laughs> so I guess full success in that regard. And none of, none of those were assigned by me. And then what happens is that a student sitting next to um, someone will be like, I love that idea. And they get inspired. They borrow the flashcards from someone who no longer needs it. They jump in on a topic that like the origins of Halloween is going to show up, I'm pretty sure this next week. And sometimes they disagree with something someone said. So they do their own little side research so they can have an opposing point of view and share that. And Except for setting up this situation so students could do it, I have very little. I share my own homework, but they take this on. They share in circles. They inspire each other. So for you, homework is really about building a mindset and a love of learning. And for me, it also feels like validating kids' interests and their ability to find out answers. I mean, I think a lot of us are doing some kind of pocket research, if you will, with our phones, mm -hmm. sometimes right before we go to bed, right? I want right. to find out what's the best, da-da-da, or I'm curious about this or that. But really, for your students, and when you think about the arc of the year, you're really building that independence and those inquiry skills. How do I pose a question and how do I find out? But you're doing it through their own self-directed homework. It doesn't happen in the classroom. Right. Well, that part doesn't. Yeah. Right. I mean, in the classroom, we do a lot of mini lessons on how do you set up an accountability chart and um, my amazing teacher librarian runs a lesson on how to identify a quality website. And we talk about the difference between reading what has been what has popped up on your screen without clicking on the link as being an example of walking by a movie theater, seeing a movie poster 
and then saying you saw the movie, even though you just saw the poster and how you need to go deeper so you can find the true information. We do all these lessons ahead of time, but they're all abstract until a student wants to learn something and then maybe copies one or two random sentences that pop up on their screen. And then when they share it in a group setting and students have questions and no one knows the answer because they really didn't understand what they read, that's a better lesson than anything we could teach. So to clarify, you are providing some direct instruction through mini lessons and through workshopping around how do we engage in inquiry? How do we look for credible sources? So that piece is happening in your classroom. This independent homework inquiry time is happening in lieu of more traditional homework or what folks might consider homework. Also, so when, so what else is going on, like kind of in this middle point of the year or where are you headed? Because again, we're still in that balcony mm-hmm. view. We're still thinking about your whole year. Great. Well, yeah, thanks for asking. So a huge component of sixth grade at our school is the voyage. And starting in December, we'll be talking about what is a topic that you think you can sustain interest in for more than one week, for more than two weeks, something that you care enough about that when the struggle becomes real, you can push through and use that productive struggle to be a more educated learner, writer, communicator, and students will decide on a voyage topic. Once they think they know what topic they want to research, then they write a proposal. And then once that proposal is accepted, then they write and research for two nonfiction articles. They have to find an active engagement where they go out and do something, ride a horse, shadow a veterinarian, learn how to do henna tattoos, whatever relates to their topic. They have to find a mathematical connection. Um, And then we spend the next few months sort of working within their individual topics, meeting in small groups, meeting in support groups just with students to talk about the process, to talk about how to overcome challenges, to possibly change topics if they're having a roadblock that they can't get over at this time. And then at the very end, they present a 15 to 20 minute um, demonstration of readiness to move on to seventh grade because they've shown that they are aware of their skills. They know how to use them and they know how to overcome challenges so they can keep learning. Wow. And so really this year builds from a common inquiry experience into many individual inquiries, into a large full-scale voyage project where students are self-directed in their research, yet you are still providing instruction and support with the research skills, the nonfiction writing, the interview skills, the oral and verbal communication skills. So I know that some people listening are wondering, like, does Gabrielle have a curriculum? (laughs) Does she have standards? when is she teaching narrative? So when you mm-hmm. think about those ELA standards, if you will, and I think we're all hearing the ways in which you've embedded those in inquiry, what else might you share with our listeners around how are you, how do you kind of plan or address for those? I have the benefit of having decades of teaching experience. Mm-hmm. And so I think the first thing I have is just experience and confidence that even though I'm occasionally wading into unknown waters, 
that my school community is going to support that risk taking with me as well as how I support the risks that my students take every day when they admit that they don't know something or when they ask for help. So first off, I have a great supportive community that allows me to make choices based on what I have in front of me. I have a lot of resources. I do look at all the district resources. We do do all the typical tests that we need to do, and I use those to guide my instruction. I have a lot of different books on best practices. What I do is I I look at the whole year. I know what I need to cover. I rearrange it based on what I think the best fit and flow will be. I chunk my year into small manageable bits. I set SMART goals for myself, just like I, <laughs> I help the kids set SMART goals, right? And um, the beginning of the year is all about letting students know they can do it. So I start with those short units and short texts and really dive in and let students know their thinking is awesome and we can get there. And here are the skills we should work on now. Here's where we're going next. I I share with the students the, the K-6 writing continuum that our district provides. There's no, there's no hidden message here. I say, here is where we want to go. Here is where you are. What we're doing is working towards these mastering these larger skills so that whatever you choose to do, you can do it well. Mm. And here is why this matters. Here's why what we're working on today matters. Um, so we, we start small. We work together. We collaborate in small groups so people can hear each other's thinking. But yet they then when it's time for them to write their answers down, they choose what they want to select as their answer. Um, we increase complexity of our tasks. Our units are getting longer. You heard how with homework, it might just be a one week choice, but students then might start extending their homework to be two or three weeks. And by the end of the year, students have a topic that will be a four month long topic that they're focusing on. So I scaffold, you know, both in size and in depth and in rigor with the students. And I remain flexible and limber in what we're doing in our classroom community so that we can leverage what's happening in the world as necessary. And if students find a passion or a question that we can follow, I have this inquiry, inquiry slot where we can be like, hey, this is interesting. This is a great question now. How do you think we should roll out a two-week unit where we have 45 minutes a day? What do you guys want to learn? What questions can we start with? Wow. And you know, I've, I, like I said before, I've had the benefit of being in your classroom and seeing this beautiful construction and scaffolding come to life for kids. Um, the ways in which you think about where your kids are when they enter your classroom at the beginning of the year to where you want them to be and how you, like you said, it's not a secret. You bring kids into that. These are our standards. These are the goals. This is where we want to be as readers and writers and inquirers and as communicators. Mm -hmm. And so as we wrap up today, I'm sure that many of our listeners are reflecting on their plans for the year. You know, thinking they're just a couple months into the school year and they're thinking about their units that they have coming up. And you have so clearly shared with us how you plan with purpose by bringing together standards and life-worthy work. Um, you've also given us some valuable insights into the importance of planning for people by sharing how you're responsive in the ways you scaffold inquiry, 
And you have brought the planning for process into clear focus. As you have described so many learning experiences that are open-ended yet structured in a way that invites learners to grapple and uncover new ideas. And so we've taken this kind of abstract term, if you will, planning for agency, equity, and understanding by tending to purpose, people, and process. And you've really illustrated that for us. And so, Gabrielle, my last question for you is, when you think about yourself as a designer, a designer of student learning experiences that are meaningful and impactful, what is your call to action for others? Ooh, a call to action. I love that. More language arts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, as a teacher, I think it is essential to say yes to your students when they want to climb that metaphorical tree. And it's up to us to provide the lessons that will guide them as they take on new personal, social, and intellectual experiences. So, It's about listening to and respecting our students so that we can lead them in having those meaningful connections to show them that the academic skills that they're learning about in class and the content that they care about are deeply connected and that by learning in the classroom and practicing those skills and mastering them, they will be able to appreciate the view from the top of the tree And while they're up there, they're not going to be scared and be thinking about how am I going to get down? Because they know they've planned for the next step. So they truly can be where they are and appreciate it before they take on that next step, which, of course, we all do in life. We're just constantly taking that next step. So when I plan, when I plan, I aim to set students up for success, their version of success. And also to prepare for failure, to prepare for those inevitable missteps or confusions or misunderstandings, I prepare them to check for their landing. So it isn't always easy, but knowing that the skills we pass on will help someone climb that literal or metaphorical tree makes it all worth it. And we may not be there to see the view ourselves, but we hope that we can help them get to the top. And also knowing that sometimes we may not be seeing instant gratification as a teacher, but that maybe what we're doing is we're actually just planting the seed for a tree that will grow and that they will climb 10 years from now, 15 years from now. Gabrielle, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in. The Phenomenal Teaching Podcast is brought to you by PEBC, Public Education and Business Coalition, and is intended to elevate the strands of the PEBC teaching framework, which is illustrated in Wendy Wardhofer's book, Phenomenal Teaching. PEBC is headquartered in Denver, Colorado, but works both locally and nationally to cultivate agency, equity, and understanding for each and every learner. PEBC provides customized on-site professional development and coaching for schools and districts, facilitates a variety of institutes and seminars, and offers an array of online learning experiences for all educators. We also prepare new teachers via the PEBC Teacher Residency Program. Check us out at pebc.org. Thank you.